Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Nick Davis! Nick Davis! I don't believe it! I see it, but I don't believe it! Hey, Gemma here, and it's time for a new episode of I See It But I Don't Believe It. I have now old hat here, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing? It's two goes, man. Two? We should get you on for plenty, because everyone really liked your other episode. Ah, cop that, other guys from my actual show <laughs> who have done this and have not done this. I'm better. I'm the best. And who are the actual guys, and what is the show that you do, just uh, so people know? I am on How Good's Footy, the weekly AFL podcast that casts a very analytical and critical... I know it does not. Um, <laughs> it's, the show's called How Good's Footy. I think it tells you everything you need to know about the kind of show it is. And it's on Play On Radio on Wednesdays at 4pm. Yeah, so we're on this, this little program uh, on Play On Radio at 4pm on a Wednesday or 5am on a Thursday if you're insane or live in a time zone where that's like a regular time for you, um, or we are on Sans Pants Radio, which is our yes. network that we are from. Like a great little pop culture network. Yes, yes, I've got heaps of stuff. And that us. I have no understanding of anything except the footy show. That's fine. It's great. Works well for me. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, your name is Tom Reed, but yes. I didn't say that before. That's okay. Um, and you're a big Geelong supporter. I am. I'm a... I'm, I'm, yeah, huge long supporter. I was actually on my way here thinking about whether or not I'm going to buy the 2019 Indigenous jumper. You have to. It's really fucking good and you Quinton, can get it in long sleeves. Quinton Narkle designed it. I know. How cool is that? Oh, it just looks really pretty. And But then that would take my total number of footy jumpers up to three. I mean, I could uh, f- show you what's a lot. If you really want. You know, but my, so my thing is I have a lot of, like, I have a lot of, like, bits and pieces, but I have a jumper I wear to the games, which yes. is, like, a woolen one. I've probably said this before. And then my, so I have, a, I have a home and away jumper, which is a, when I go to the games and when I watch them on my couch on TV, it's two different jumpers. The woolen one doesn't have a number on it because it's wool. And then there's a, uh, like, a, just a normal plan with a number on the back. Cam Guthrie, 29. Yeah, check it out. That's a good number. Yeah, and I, and I got it for Cam Guthrie, not for when Ablett had it way back when. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Because um, fuck Ablett. Nah. Yeah, we know how I feel about it. <laughs> Go Nathan. Nathan's great. Gary Jr.'s fine. Elbows people in the head, gets away with it two weeks in a row. Hey, Luke Parker did that this weekend. He also got away with it. Exactly. He got away with hey. it because Ablett got away with it. He, no, but Ablett set the, set the precedent. Do you want to know what the difference is? Yes. Luke Parker didn't do it off the ball and jump into someone's head. The Dylan Shear one wasn't off the ball. Uh, it was pretty off the ball in nah, the end. Like, he leapt into his head yeah, and the ball like, was not in like, the vicinity. Just trying to take big marks because that's all he knows how to do is be really good at footy. Anyway, we're sidetracked. Um, and then, yeah, getting this third jumper would be like, when do I wear that? What about with someone with a crossover to the women's team? 
Yeah, see, I've got to wait, though, because if I'm doing that, I need to wait. I what can't... number is Nina Morrison? Well, she's nine, but that's like Smith, and he's not getting a game <laughs> and hasn't. Like, bless him, he's really good. He had an awesome game in the VFL, but he's probably fallen behind Abbott, Fort, Asava, and Stanley, obviously. The Definitely. Number one. Uh, is number 44 Mark O'Connor? 44 is Stuart. So 44 would be that's Stuart perfect. and, 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 and Goring. It'd be pretty good. But see, what I want is 11, right? Because that's McDonald. Meg Mack, yes. And who's 11 in the men's? Tim Kelly. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> so you I have need to wait. wait. <laughs> because if he commits, like, it's awesome. But I'll that's it. That's a, the decision. An Indigenous jumper with his number on it, and then it'll cross over with the women's team. But I can't go yet. Or I just, like, wing it and just, like, No, you have to wait. Go hard. I don't know who the 42 is for the... Women's team. I don't think we have a 42 in the women's team. Not that I can think of. Why? Who's 42 in the men? That's O'Connor. That's O'Connor. Yeah. I really like him this year. Might be. It might be. No. It would be really funny if it was Astor O'Connor. If the two O'Connors were 42. I don't think it is. I think she's a really low number. I think she's like two or four or something like that. Something like that. I mean, she's always suspended, so it doesn't matter in the end anyway. Um, (laughs) They're my favorite players. Her and Michelle Cranston. You got both of them. Ah, yeah. All you need is Sarah Darcy, and then you've got the trio of suspendables. Oh, Katie Brennan, you probably need two then. Yeah, no, I'm trying to think who else we had who also got suspended a lot this year. Um, I think Kate Darby missed a game because she, like, punched someone in the throat. I don't know. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a big Geelong fan. It's, yeah, it's true. Yep. And if you, I've been on here before, and I talked a lot about Geelong. It was and, wonderful. Uh, so if you listen to that, you know. Yep. You know how big a fan I am. And that was a Geelong St Kilda game. Yes. This time, what are we talking about? I want to talk about one game. We're talking about a whole swath of, of games. This is, how big, this is how big a fan I am. I can't just talk about one game. I'm going to We're talk talking about, about two eras, really, that kind of connect. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, obviously, the great rivalry of Geelong and Hawthorne, the 80s rivalry built on the back of beating the crap out of one another. And then Physically. the... the 2000s, the Kenneth Curse rivalry. You know, we have the psychological edge. Oh, do you? Cop it. <laughs> so let's kick it off in 1985. Sure. At Princess Park. Yep. Princess Park. Sorry. Hawthorne. I, I always thought, no, but like seriously, I thought it was Princess Park and also Princess Highway. But it's not. It's the Prince's. It's his park and his highway. Is it Prince's Highway? I yeah, thought... it's not Princess. It's Prince's. That's what I mean, right? Always blew my mind. I could be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Someone look that up for us. If you listen to How Good's Footy, you'll know that I'm often wrong. And I always (laughs) send you messages. Correct. 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 I apologise. So it's round 12, 1985, and Hawthorne won this game by 29 points, but that is irrelevant. Yes. To what actually occurred here. Uh, There was a murder. Well, it's the only time in VFL, AFL history. Yep. That I'm aware of. Yep, it is. Where a player has actually faced... Criminal charges. Criminal charges for something they did on the field. Went to the Supreme Court or the County Court? One of them. I don't know how law works. But he, he went to court. He did, yeah. Um, AFL were like, you have to go to court. So Lee Matthews is who we're talking about. Yeah. Hawthorne champion, Brisbane Lions hero. Brute. Um, and just an all-round, like a legend of the game. 
had a very good career killing people <laughs> on the Breaking footy field. Breaking goalposts as well. Smashed a goal. Well, that was – he just ran into it, didn't he? And it snapped in half. <laughs> Fuck, he was tough. He was so – like, there's a statue of him at the G and he just looks tough in the statue. Yeah. This is not, it's an inanimate object made of bronze and he looks like he could kill you. He doesn't look super tough now, though, does he? No, he fucking does. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm scared. There's, there is still part of you that will probably look at Lee Matthew and he's like, if I pissed you off enough – I reckon he, although apparently he's mellowed since having grandkids. He just looks like a grandpa to me. Yeah, he's a grandpa who, like, would fuck you up on a bad day. <laughs> he's a grandpa that would fuck you up. He would. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> so he was in his final year in 1985. Yes. And as you said, champion of the club, champion of the game, all that sort of stuff. He'd done pretty much everything a player would want to or be able to do. Didn't. I don't think he ever won a Brownlow, did he? Did he? There was a year where he didn't win the Brownlow, but he won the goal kicking. Like, he was the Coleman medalist playing as a Ruck Rover. That's and, right, and yes. And he didn't win the Brownlow that year. So he, he, like, I don't know what year it was. Again, factual accuracy is not my strong point. I talk a lot about vibes and feeling and how good things are. That's what we like. Um, but I don't know what year it was. He, the, he I think he came, like, 10th. Yeah. Like, he was so well down in the Brownlow count, but he won the Coleman medal playing on the ball. Which is mental, which is something that no one would really be able to do nowadays. Is there anyone that you could think of? I mean, someone like a... If if Gary Ablett Jr. was playing more time on the ball than he was forward, he's probably it, but he's playing as a high half forward. And like if Fife or Danger played at a full forward for long enough, but probably not. I just rolled my eyes so far back in my head that I've got a headache now. All right. You asked, I answered. <laughs> I feel like maybe a Clayton Oliver one day could be that player. Not now, but one day. That sort of player. Clayton Oliver, James Harms, player like that. Yeah. Really tough Did midfielder. Goods? No, he he won both his as ballers, didn't he? No, he won them in different positions. But one one is a ruck, ruck. and one is like a mid-forward. Half-forward, yeah. But didn't win the Coleman or get close to winning the Coleman in that year. No. No. But he also has two premierships. Uh, many Brownlow, uh, many best and fairests. He's very good. I'm not again. I'm not disputing this fact. I'm just putting my Lee Matthews hat on. He didn't win the Coleman and play out of the centre though. No, but he did more. Otherwise, Cripps know. could become that kind of player. Cripps is going to have to carry his team too much to be able to be that player. When he gets traded to a club that he likes. No, when Zach Fisher is able to take on more and yeah. Liam Stocker and, and plays and like that. And Walsh and those guys, yeah. Cripps will be able to do, he'll Whatever. be able to kick it. He'll have, a, he'll have a year where he'll average 30 touches and kick 50 goals. It'll Easy. be fucked. Um, good player. Anyway. Um, so Lee Matthews. Yeah. Final year. He um, he punched Neville Bruns from Geelong off the ball in the only incident to go to the yep. courts. Yep. Um, full on punched him. Bruns say, had it. Wasn't the only incident that day. No, it wasn't. We we'll get to a, a few more after that punch. Um, so he was the captain of Hawthorne. Yep. And Bruns was the acting captain for Geelong that day. Yes, he was. Um, Bruns had already been reported for a hit on Michael Tuck. Yeah. Probably deserved it. Yeah. Michael Tuck. Yeah. Um, and it was it was one of those like footy hits. I'll probably a jumper punch went a bit high, you know. An eighties jumper punch, not a two thousand and nineteen. Correct. Jumper punch. Yeah. The jumper punch is in. I'll grab your jumper and then use it to get leverage to punch with my other fist. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there's a there are a lot of quotes from Lee Matthews talking about how horrible he felt about this and all that yep. sort of stuff. He offered up his resignation. Alan Jeans, the coach, refused it. 
He wouldn't let him quit. <laughs> um, he was suspended or deregistered for about four weeks and then charged with assault. Yeah. Um, Bruns to mental. this day is sorry, but yeah, Bruns to this day is whenever they talk about like so last year when the Brayshaw, the Gaff Brayshaw yep. incident, Bruns came out and was like, "This shit needs to go. Ban the guy for life." Like I've been through that and it, I'm still not okay. Like he finished up a lot earlier than he probably should have because he got basically king hit on a football field. He had his jaw wired shut. Yep. It was mental. Yep. Steve Hawking for Geelong followed this up by hitting Matthews as well. Yeah. And then Steve Hawking was all upset and like crying because he'd hit someone as well. Yeah. And it's just like violence begets more violence. I dropped my pen. Don't worry about it. Uh, violence just creates worse and worse problems for everyone. And the best one though is like, so Steve Hawking hit Lee Matthews and was like, oh, I'm so sad. You know who didn't feel bad about hitting people that day? Mark Jacko Jackson. <laughs> I was talking about him last night. He He's was, a psychopath. Well, so he was at this game and he got, I think, reported for three separate incidents on this day. And he was interviewed about it in that infamous Mike Sheen interview. And he was like, do you regret that day? And he's like, absolutely not. <laughs> you see what they did to Bronson? Absolutely not. The club was really unhappy with him. And he was like, I'll do that every day of the week. Yeah. Oh, he was a psycho. <laughs> I think he still is. Invented the handstand. Yes, we, I well, have that. Not, not the actual act of the handstand. That's probably but on the footy field. In the 70s <laughs> or something. Probably a gymnast in the 70s. 1770s, probably. <laughs> in the 70s, the handstand was invented. <laughs> yeah. No, no one ever did it before that. Facts with Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, but this, this, this is a nice precursor because this yes. kind of sets the scene for the fact that there is bad blood between these two clubs at like a really <laughs> early... And they, you could probably go back to like the... 1910s, you know, when Kaji Greaves is running around playing footy and they were probably getting in fights. And just unnecessary aggression. Yeah. So just a lot of players hitting each other. Yeah. Like, very aggressively. I mean, Bronze had his jaw wired shut and just was not a functioning human for a really long time. I, I don't know the story. I don't know if he's ever... If they've ever spoken. Apparently, recently... Lee Matthews was like, hey. They spoke. Oh, wow. And kind of buried the hatchet, but I don't think Bronze fully is... Well, no, he, he still believes that the AFL should have banned Lee Matthews and he was ne- should have never been able to play again. Well, he tried to quit and he they tried wouldn't to let quit, him. But no, no, so, yeah, that's what I mean. So he tried to quit. So I don't think he's like, Lee Matthews, you're a piece of shit. I think there's a little bit of that, but it's more like, well, the AFL, VFL, Alan Jeans, you should have let him go. Yeah. You should have. He wanted to walk. He wanted to leave. Steve Hawking, mate, you were, you were a crime and passion, buddy. That's fine. <laughs> Embrace your inner Jacko. You you did nothing wrong when you hit uh, Lee Matthews back. I'm so glad he's part of the uh, board of the AFL and has such an influence on what happens nowadays at games. He did a very good job, though, as head of operations at Geelong. He did, but for the AFL, not so much a fan. I think, this is wildly off topic, but I think he actually is trying to do the best he can, but I think he's hamstrung by Gill... And the fact that the AFL as a machine sucks is a bit shit. Very shit. If he was, if he was just him, if he was able to run the show with people he wanted to run the show with, I think you would get. Like, look at the rules. So Gil McLaughlin talks all these massive rule changes they're going to do. When they're actually announced, Steve Hawking's rules are much more measured. They're much sort of quieter and simpler. Yes, but they're not really tested enough to make those decisions, are they? No, I don't necessarily think that was his call though to make them. Come in. Just defend your Geelong guy all the time. I absolutely will. I'm very biased. <laughs> That's fine. Let's move on to 1989 where you guys got smashed in a grand final. Got smashed? 
got beaten in the yeah, grand final. I was going one of the greatest grand finals of all time. I think we lost by, what, 11, 9 points? Less, less than that. It's a single kick, isn't it? Um, I should know this, hey? Um, it's one of the few six instances. Points. There you go, six points. It's one of the few instances where a player has won the Norm Smith medal and been playing for the losing side. So I think it's what? Ablett Senior, who kicked nine. nine. Nathan <sighs> Buckley's one. And Chris Judd? Yeah. In the, the... When LRT was robbed in 2005. Robbed! Chris Judd played very well. LRT. That was when they, that was when they voted, though, at um, three quarter time. That's why, Buckley, mm, that's, true. that's why Buckley won his. That is true. And Buckley took it off before he got off the podium and everyone got the, mad at him. The only one who deserved it was Ablatonia. Kicked nine goals in a losing side in a grand final. Just was like, <laughs> I'm going to win on my own. Buckley's it's great. me. Buckley was such a good player. Buckley, Buckley was a very good player. Who should have won that over him? Michael Voss. Oh, yeah. You're Sean's friend. I am Sean's friend. But also, <laughs> come on. That last quarter from Voss wins in that game. Hmm. His third quarter and last quarter were huge. Yeah. There's so been a lot of people robbed for Norm Smith. Basha Hooley. Basha Hooley was robbed. Tom, Tom Boyd. But oh. Josh Kennedy got more votes than him that day. Josh Kennedy was amazing. Matthew Scarlett in both 07 and 09. If the Swans had won 2016, Josh Kennedy would have had the Norm Smith. Yeah, probably. 100%. He came second, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Jason, uh, Johannesson should not have won. I just, if Boyd had to kick one more goal, he would have had it. You know Johannesson went at 25% disposal efficiency in that game? <sighs> it's a grand final. It's stupid. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so 1989. Arguably so, the greatest grand final of all time. So the, uh, no, but like, I'm not even, this isn't even a biased opinion. It is like, if you want to watch it, people talk about the good old days of footy. They talk about, they mean this specific game. It was high scoring. It was fast. It was entertaining. It had everything that you would want in a grand final. Massive punch-ons. <laughs> and including, yeah, the incident. Punch-ons are stupid. Yeah, 1989, sure. home and away season. Yes. They played one another, Geelong and Hawthorne. And yeah. um, our favourite person ever, fucking hate him, D- uh, Dermot Brereton, yeah. had been really aggressive. He'd caused a lot of off-the-ball incidents in this game. He cleaned up Hocking. Yeah, so... As in not Steve. Gary. Gary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the first bounce of the grand final, they were kind of preparing for what was going to happen here. Well, so what happened was in a, in a game earlier in the year, Dermot had kind of roughed Gary Hocking up. Way off, like out of bounds Yeah, like as well. punched him in the guts a couple of, like really went down on him. So in the lead up, as they're lining up at the start, this is before the, before the ball, like siren's gone, they're in their positions, they're ready to go. Apparently in the lead up, Gary Hocking had gone over to Mark Yates, who was sort of the enforcer at Geelong, and was like, you should kill him. But fucking Malcolm Blight, their coach... Oh, yeah. ...took him out before the game and told him where to stand so that he could hit him in the right spot. Yeah. And they openly said that. Yeah. I mean, it didn't make a difference. He kicked, what, four goals? Three goals? Two goals. He played very well. (laughs) He kicked, (laughs) like, three in the first quarter or something. I I don't know why my notes are such a mess, but... With broken ribs and, like, exploded kidneys. They thought that he was going to die. The doctors thought he was going to die. Would have deserved it. It's a little bit harsh. Nah, he. Well, I really was, don't like him, but you'd never. It was pre karma. Pre karma. You don't wish death. No, he wasn't going to die. He would have deserved, like, his ribs never healing. Because then it would have stopped him from eventually caving in a man's face. Like, continuously hurting weeks. people. Um, he's always. He's coming through whenever there's an incident, he's like, oh, that's good. Yeah, he loves it, and <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Um, um, yeah, it's good. 
But it was kind of prote- uh, like that Mark Yates thing was kind of to protect Paul Couch as well, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. He was the Brownlow medalist. They knew they were going to go after correct, him. Correct, correct. So they were trying to just protect him So by taking him out. And it's funny because this is a quote from Yates. Um, I've seen what he's been doing, running through and cleaning blokes up, so I thought I would make him think twice about doing it. Yep. And that was all he had to say about the matter. Yep. Which you can kind of accept, but I don't condone violence. No, his, Ye- Yates' whole thing was, I don't think Yates meant to hurt him as much as he did. I think Yates meant to hurt yeah. him, so he went, this is what you do to people. You try it again today. I- I'm out here. Yeah. I'm out here on this field. We're out here together. So... But the knock-on from that was, so what happened is just, the ball is bounced. The first play of, the first moment of the play is Mark Yates comes off his line straight through the centre square, ignores everything else and just flattens Brereton. Just like straight down the middle. It, does he hit him in the head? No. He gets him in the, he gets him in the side. It's, yeah. It's actually, it's actually a, a fair bump. hit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it would probably, it'd be a free kick. Now, yeah, but I don't think he gets suspended for it. No, because it, he didn't get him in the head. No, and he played. Yeah, but yeah, just cleaned him up. Uh, and then there's the footage of Burton being helped up by trainers, just like coughing and vomiting up yeah. blood. Um, and then Hawthorne were like, "Hang on," <laughs> and they went full Mark Jacko Jackson. Well, he decided to take himself into the forward pocket because yep. he refused to go off like the doctors wanted. Yep. So they thought he was going to die. But oh, the 80s. <laughs> just a little bit of irony from the Hawthorne camp, from Alan Jeans, their coach. He'd said to them, whatever happens, just play the ball. Let the football do the talking. Don't concentrate on the man. This is the Hawthorne coach telling his team of guys that spent four years smashing people. Don't smash people today. Yeah. And then Geelong came out and smashed them. Exactly. Not on the scoreboard. Well, again, it was a high-scoring game, but, um, you know, not on the scoreboard. They didn't it was win. just ironic that that is the quote from their coach. Yeah. Anyway, um, so Broden moved to the forward pocket, and a few minutes later he marked and kicked a goal. Mark Overhead mark with broken yep. ribs. That fucking hurts. Um, with a defender underneath him that would have made him feel every rib. Yes. <laughs> um, but then came some other incidents. Oh, some great incidents. So basically that incident then sparked off every other incident. There was a, there was a melee immediately after uh, that incident where all the players just... Yates got attacked. Dude's trying to be macho and yeah. stupid. A lot of strutting. Gary Ayres throwing a few punches around with his amazing hair. There is some amazing hair in this grand final. Some oh. amazing hair. Oh... Um, so yeah, so they're they're throwing their weight around. The uh, best the best bit of footage though is Dipper with two guys in a headlock. <laughs> with but he was nearly going to die as well. He got he got punched in the kidney. So Gary, it, it started from Gary Ablett taking a mark behind him that was deemed as a as a bad knock to him. Well, so there's the story is apparently as they're going. So this is again same game. Yes. Same moment. They've lined up. So Dipper's lined up on Gary Ablett Senior, who won the Norm Smith. And as they're walking back to their positions, Abbott Senior has just gone to Dipper. He's like, you better stay the fuck out of my way or I will kill you. <laughs> oh, no, I will break your fucking spine, I think was the actual quote. And, I mean, that's a very Christian thing to say to someone. It was. I don't think he was super Christian in the 80s. The, the, he loved the saxophone on his bed. <laughs> that is the best photo <laughs> in the world. This was, this was Ablett when he was still a bit nuts before he found Jesus and settled down. Um <laughs> But no, so then 
the way Dipper tells this story is that the first ball that came into the Geelong forward line, he's like, I got in front of it and I was like, great, this will come down to me. And I just heard like these footsteps coming behind me and he's like, and I flashed back to the start of the, like, you know, a minute earlier when Ablett had said, if you get in my way, and I thought, oh, fuck. And then he's just like, and it's just a train, just hit me. Took yep. a huge mark over me. It was a fair mark. Yeah. But he's, he, he said, I went down as Ablett was going back, as Ablett kicked the goal and then went back to the positions, he just went, told you. <laughs> Oh, I love I love that kind of shit. I love I love the little little bandry bits. But he had broken ribs and his lung was deflating. That's right. His lung, he punctured his lung. Yeah, and he was grey. Mm. And it was not good. So so that happened, and then he started fighting people. Yes. So he's dying, literally dying. Yeah, and then he's putting people in headlocks. It. Oh. Apparently, Ablett Senior didn't realise he'd hurt him as badly as he had. Yeah. And in interviews, was like, oh yeah, I didn't like that part of the game that I used to have. It's in interviews since. Yeah, of course. Cause it's also the same interviews where he's... Meant to be all religious and shit. Well, right? he's also convinced that there's people stalking him and they're not. Like, he is great player at Geelong, but a deeply troubled and broken human being. So Hawthorne kicked eight first quarter goals to Geelong's two. And I think Brendan had three. Yeah, he, two was, or three of those. he was very good in that first quarter. As much as I hate to say that, because he's a wanker. He basically was like, okay... If you're going to do that to me, I'm going to do this to you. Yeah. Good kick. It's a good kick. He, like, he was, it's one of those things where he was an, a, a very good footballer, bit of a dickhead. <laughs> Barry Hall, another one. Yeah. Very good footballer, dickhead. Massive dickhead. Yeah. I think he, yeah. Let's not go into that too deeply because that'll <laughs> go a whole other way. Um, but Gary Hawking can cast John Platten as well. There are a lot of incidents in this game. There were spot fires all day. I think the only players that didn't, I think the only player that didn't get in a fight with anybody was Paul Couch because because everyone was trying to defend him because everyone was like, "Don't go near him. They're going to try to kill him. He's the Brownlow medalist, and um, he was a good boy." <laughs> That's why he didn't do fights. <laughs> but Geelong were kind of pegging back Hawthorne's lead all day. Oh, it was, it was, it was. Again, if you haven't seen it, just just watch the highlights from it. Like the insanity of some of the off the ball stuff alone is is ridiculous, but. Again, it's one of those games where it was really high. It's one of those like classic grand finals. It's high scoring. It's fast. There are there are amazing kicks for goal, amazing marks. Ablett, if you want to watch, in in my mind, like Ablett played for another many years after this. But this game is like if you had to like synthesize Gary Ablett Senior into some kind of raw material, it is this game of football. Like this mm. is him. This is him in his essence. Crashing packs, just running everywhere, playing, running up to the wing, running back, kicking room 50, taking huge marks, snapping it over his head like vintage Ablett. Trying to carry the team on his back. Yeah, as he did for many, many years. It's just making me think of the Ablett-Paul Salmon game as well. It's a very um, good game. Yeah, I think I've talked about it with someone. I can't remember. Um, but you guys fell six points behind, just ran out of time. You had all the steam. Yes. Just ran out of time. It was it was basically that eight goal first quarter was probably like two goals too many. Well, one goal too many. Well, yes. Yeah. No, no, at least two. You then get <laughs> level and then in front. Yeah, I guess. Um, imagine if 89, imagine a whole, imagine, <laughs> imagine if 89 had been a draw and they had to have come back <laughs> the following week. There would have been no one to play. Well, no, 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 no Hawthorne players to play. Yeah. No, they would have got up. I reckon Hawthorne would have won, weirdly. There would have been like, the, oh, could you imagine? 
<laughs> dip his lung, like buy him a new lung, send him out there. <laughs> buy him a new lung. I'm just thinking because I was watching some like highlight highlights as I do of like finals moments, blah, blah, blah. And there was a moment with the Collingwood St Kilda drawn grand final 2010 and how after the game all the players just kind of collapsed to the floor. I just imagine this one, if it had, if it had been drawn, it would just been a huge brawl. Oh, it would have been a fight. Just it would have been an absolute brawl. punch on. The umpires had, and this is the thing, is the umpires had no fucking control of this but game that's the thing, at all. At least in that, they could start the play and it would kind of draw the play. Yeah. If the game had just been drawn, they would have just, there would be no way to stop them. No. Nah. No, no way at all. And you can just tell that because it, it was it was constant. I feel the the platinum one's you know quite tragic because he's talked since about the, but he this isn't the only time he was concussed. He no, was concussed a lot, a lot. He led with his head, yes, <laughs> and that beautiful long he had the cushy hair, hair at least. He oh. probably had. So on that, mm. I found out the other day <laughs> that do you know why beanies have the bauble on top? The like pom pom on top yep. of the beanie, yeah. Why? Because seamen used to hit their heads on the low roofs of the boats underneath, and they all had beanies, so they used to put that on top to protect their head from hitting it. That is an amazing. Platten should. It- so that's what I'm thinking. His hair was. He Caleb thought it Daniel, was that protective. Fuck your helmet off, mate. Buy a beanie. <laughs> this is a big pom pom. Bigger the pom pom, more protection. Exactly. Just, the concussion yeah. guys are doing it wrong. Head becomes a pom pom. Just not even a beanie, just sew pom-poms on every player's head. <laughs> just into your hair? Oh, well, a lot of them have long hair, you that's know. That's true. The top, that's the top knot. If you get a, if you get a man bun, oh, it's your bit. Phil it's your Davis bit. and Grundy have worked it out. They're going to protect their heads. They're so tall. That's why they have it. That's what it is. Oh, man, We've we're decided. geniuses. Anyway, back to 89. <laughs> uh, so Ablett kicked nine and won the Norm Smith, and uh, it was a lot. It's a huge game, and it was one of those games. So this was this was the frustrating era where... I think in the space of another five, in, in the space of five years, Geelong have three cracks and winning a premiership with Malcolm Blight with the with the pretty much roughly the same personnel for those three three attempts, and Malcolm Blight's signature coaching style of attack at all costs. What about defence? Attack harder. <laughs> but it was just it was score goals, score them fast. Yeah, and bury a team. But I guess the thing is when you have the players that. That Geelong team oh. had. You, that's probably the yeah, way you play, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You, you know, and we had even our defenders. Like we had Hinkley, who was a running halfback, like an attacking halfback. Yeah. So it's not completely bizarre no. to not, you know, to do that. I mean, um, what's his name? Um, Buse, like same thing. Senior Buse. Yeah, Buse Senior. Yeah, Andrew. Andrew. Yep. Yeah. Rather than Jed, who's short for Jandrew, I guess. What is Jed short for? Jedwood? It's just the name. Is it not Jed short? is the name. Not Gerard? Chandra. <laughs> what is Jed short? Jed has to be short for something. No, it's J-E-D. Jed is a name. Yeah, but is, is it traditionally short for something? No, I don't think so. All right, Jedwood. That's what it's probably short for. <laughs> the Eurovision guys. Yeah, with the... Yeah. Yeah, I watch lots of BBC. Anyway, so that's kind of the start of how people were seeing Hawthorne and Geelong yeah. as rivals. That being said... During this era, Hawthorne were pretty much rivals with everyone because they just wanted to punch everyone. And they were so successful. Yeah. They won four four grand finals. In like six years or in something. In six years, yeah. Never never, like never, enough in a row to unseat Collingwood from that No, and that Collingwood machine. are the only ones that have ever... That team is... So I remember reading a book. I probably, I've talked about this a lot too. 
probably on how good's footy, so maybe never with you. So this is okay. Um, there is a book where they, a, a, a New York Times journalist or an ESPN sports writer has written a book about the 10 greatest teams of all time. Yeah. Just around the world. So it's like the Yankees, when Babe Ruth were there, are in there. The Chicago Bulls. Wow, I said that Yeah, weird. yeah, the Chicago Bulls are in there. Chicago. But the, the two, there's two Australian teams. The first one is the Collingwood Machine team from the 30s that won really? four in a row. Yep. Uh, and the women's hockey team from the early 2000s. World champions, that. Olympic gold medalists. Fun fact, the New Zealand all-black rugby team are in there twice for two separate decades. <laughs> That's how good they are at rugby. Scary. Mm. Um, I'm surprised the men's cricket team in the... um, Oh, the Invincibles? Yeah. They might have got in there. I don't think they got in there because... The McGrath, Langer, Hayden. Oh, no, I'm going even further back. I'm going the Invincibles, like the the 30s, 40s? No, I'm thinking like early 2000s. They were pretty good. They were unstoppable. They They were pretty good. But I think I'm thinking like your Bradman era cricket teams that mm. it were just like I'm less interested in that. I have like this much interest in cricket, and it's just that era, <laughs> pretty much when we were good. Yeah, and I was alive. That's the intersection of the Venn so, diagram. So now, because they were still good a couple of years ago, and you're still alive. They weren't as good, though. No. Wow, I'm choking. Anyway, okay. should we? So that's kind of the start of all of this. Mm. But then that's context. It kind of got reignited in a very different way. In another grand final. In two thousand and eight. Yeah. And the initial context of this rivalry is very physical. Yeah. But I think the later part of it is completely mental. Absolutely. And that's why this is so fascinating to look at it in two different sections. Yeah. Because it's still those teams butting heads. A lot of the supporters of the modern era teams remember this really vividly. Yeah. And. A lot of the players, probably half of them weren't even alive when all this earlier stuff was happening. Yeah. The other thing, too, is it is also both both um, then and the modern stuff, there was a lot of, like, off-field stuff. Yeah. We're just, like, coaches doing those things where it's like, you know, this is how you hit Damon Burden to knock him down. <laughs> I don't mind that. That's good. I don't condone violence ever. Um, so 2008. Yeah. Grand final. Yes. We talked about this last time, so that's uh, it's good. Did we? Yeah, we'll just about the context of what Oh, yeah, true, meant. we did, yeah. But what I mean is that I'm so glad I get to relive this twice on this show. It's also named after the other time my heart was broken in the final. So 2008, Geelong went in as favourites. They'd only lost the one home and away game all season. Yep. They were a machine. It yep. was like the Essendon of 2000. Yes. And they still hold the equal record for most home and away season games with won. That with that Essendon game in 2000. Um, the difference is Essendon walked away with the Premiership Cup and we didn't. Sorry, you got three in that time, so chill. Yeah, three out of five ain't bad was the was the literal slogan of that era. Sydney had two out of six. Two out of five. We did, we did pretty good. And we also had massive upheavals into 11 as well, losing our arguably the best player in the comp at the time. I mean, your coach was going to get sacked before you got the 2007 Premiership, so, I mm. mean... I mean, he's had his own issues. We did but. the uh, the Richmond model before it was a Richmond model where we got Neil Baum. We had a sit-down meeting with the coach at the end of 06. We then came out. We won 07 and we won everything in 07. Richmond in 2016 got Neil Baum to the club, had a sit-down meeting with the coach, sacked everybody, kept the coach. They then won everything but I think the VFL. Yeah, they didn't premiership. win VFL because Ben Lennon missed the kick after the siren. Correct. But they got to the grand final. It was like eerily, eerily similar. So Tom Lonigan kicked the first goal of this game and it was just a real arm wrestle because these are two 
pretty evenly matched teams despite Hawthorne going in as very, very severe underdogs. Yeah, and I think I, I think the the only game we'd played against them in oh eight was reasonably close. I yeah. think. Um I think maybe like by a goal or something, so this was always well, this would have been closer had we A have kicked straight, but B rush behinds and C I don't know, just Stuart not been, Stuart Jew. Fuck that man killed me. <laughs> so in this season, Geelong actually still hold the record. It's the most home we mentioned this, but most home and away wins by oh no, this is not what we mentioned. Most home and away wins by a non premier. Wow. So that's a fun uh record to that's, hold. That's not a fun record to hold. There's a shit record. It's like the Guinness Book of World Records for most infectious diseases in one human being. Actually, that's a pretty sick record. That's a pretty cool <laughs> record. Sick. Literally yeah, sick record. Yeah, Forby's like, that guy's fully sick. That is a very niche lesson. You, you surely remember that. Ian Thorpe, when he... This is a great bit, guys. Uh, Ian Thorpe, Olympic champion. I know who the Ian Thorpe Sponsored is. the cereal. Uh, you know... The mum, the kids went at the cereal. The mum rings. Thorpe is like, my kids went at the cereal. This is early 2000s and it is very, very bad. And he's like, oh, have you told them it's um, awesome? And I'm like, yep. He's like, have you told them it's fat with a pH? And they're like, she's like, yep. It's like, have you told them Thorpe says it's fully sick? She puts the phone down and she's like, Thorpe says it's fully sick. And the kids eat the cereal because they're excited. And the ad ends with a picture of the cereal and a narrator going, Thorpe says it's fully sick. Do you not remember this? I'm like secondhand embarrassed for you right now. (laughs) Fuck, it's the worst. I didn't. Why are you embarrassed for me? I'm not Ian Thorpe. That guy's won fuckloads of gold medals and broken world records. He can say whatever he wants for whatever cereal he likes. Do you remember what the cereal was? I want to say just right at one of them, like a Sultana brand. Not a very effective ad. A healthy cereal. That was the point. Healthy cereal. Well, not Coca Pops. <laughs> not Nutrigrain? No, no, it wasn't Nutrigrain. Because Nutrigrain's ads were like people punching rocks. <laughs> it was just like, um, what are they called? Iron Men. Iron Men is yeah. what, yeah. Yeah. Sure. But that's a terrible record and I don't like it. So Tom Lonigan kicked first of the game. We're going back to this. It was an yep. arm wrestle, it was a one point margin at quarter time. Yep. Now, we should mention that this was before you weren't allowed to rush behind unless you were under pressure. Yes, so most likely this game uh, caused that rule to come into effect, considering it was introduced the season after. <laughs> so Geelong dominated the second quarter, but they were inaccurate. But they were also getting a lot of rush behinds. So that it was 1-9 to Hawthorne's 3-1. Yeah, and I think we probably kicked, let's be honest, 1-4. Probably, Five yeah. rush behinds. It I think, was about that. I don't know what the score is in the end, but I think it was like 14 rush behinds. I've got it for you. Oh, later, yes. Yeah. Oh, great. I've Thanks. that down. You can stab me with a fact. <laughs> um, so Hawthorne led by three points at halftime. But kind of until... Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
this game, Hawthorne Geelong game was like just yeah. the Hawthorne Geelong game. Well, it, it sort of was that period in the 80s where they were fighting a lot. And then kind of Hawthorne went on a pretty good run in the 90s and Geelong... No, Hawthorne kind of tapered out. Geelong had another couple of cracks at a flag, dropped right off. Hawthorne had a really bad early 2000s. And Geelong's wasn't much better. We were there and thereabouts a couple of times. Um, I know we made the prelim in 04 and lost to Brisbane. And you made the semi in 05? Yep. Didn't win that either. No, that was magical. Yep. Anyway, both teams kind of went through a bit of a rough patch Early and were there, were were middle of the pack. Yeah, um, but there was no real like intense spite between them. Like no. during this era when Hawthorne came up against Essendon, well they've had that no matter whole what line was in the happening. Sand nonsense. Yeah, but it was every single game. It was always intense. Whereas the Geelong Hawthorne one kind of tapered off a little bit. Well, it cooled off when those eighties players retired and punching Stopped people. Punching people yeah. became less of it. Well, it became a harder thing to do and get away with. Yes, and you know. Shouldn't be doing it anyway. No, no, correct. Yeah. I just want to keep reiterating that because I think punching people is really fucking stupid. I think punching people is terrible. Bumping them fairly and breaking their rigs. Rigs? <laughs> well, it's not wrong. It's not true. It's true. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, Mark Yates bumped Dermot Brereton so hard his abs broke. <laughs> just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what happened to, uh, yeah, um, Dipper. His, his, his whole rig just collapsed. <laughs> Now I'm thinking of him driving a big rig. Yeah, yeah, he's like, oh, no, and Ablett's is running in, jumps on the rig to take the mark and just crushes it. <laughs> this is a Marvel movie now. It is. That's how, that's how it actually happened in 89. Yeah. They doctored the footage. We made all of what we set up. Correct, yeah. Um, the official word from the AFL, we've got the real story. <laughs> Ablett so- took a hanger on a truck. <laughs> so these two going into this grand final, it was just kind of like a big grand final. It wasn't a big deal that it was these two teams as much. Well, it was more the fact that Geelong were going to go back-to-back. Hopefully. Was was the expectation. They'd yeah. gone through so well in the year. They'd come off a historic win last year. It was like, it, 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 to be honest, and this is arrogant, going into this game, it wasn't a case of if, it was a case of when. by how much. Yeah, yeah. Well, after what you'd done in 2007 as well, Yeah. Um, it, that's fair. Just like going in 2014, Sydney should have smashed Hawthorne. Was 2008 the year... The Hawks got in by beating the Crows with the Franklin kick on the siren. Yeah, because that was God. the 113 goals year. Yeah, yeah. That was unbelievable. Ama- that was a, that was a, an elimination final. That was outrageous. Yeah, it was. It was outrageous. Jesus. They yeah. won a premiership from, like, fifth, sixth. No, because uh, the Dogs were the first team to win out of... Oh, that was their semi, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, to get... Because they lost the qualifying. They had to get a long way through. Yes. Right? Because I knew it was a, whoever lost was out. Yes, yep. it was something like that. Anyway, so <laughs> Hawthorne start doing this rush behind tactic, and that's clearly what Clark has told them to do. Yep. It was a clear plan going into it. It was like, if you can't get it out, retain possession of the ball, because Geelong were Geelong's forward line and back line. Again, Geelong's back line over the years, from like the early 2000s even to now, is all built around intercepts. Yeah. That's that's what our whole backline has always been built around. And back then, you know, seven and you know, and oh eight and oh nine is our backline would push right up, yep. so that if an errant kick out came straight back in. 
You had guys like Harley and Scarlett and Enright and Mackie. Lonigan. Lonigan. Well, he was he was playing forward. He was playing forward. Milburn, who would just get it and take off. Like yeah. we had an intercept. It was an intercept game. Yeah. Um. And so Clarkson, being the the coach that he was, was like, right, we're gonna retain the ball, and if that means you rush the behind, you rush the behind, but you just wait until there is an option available, and eventually the Geelong players will get frustrated and there'll be an opening, and that's exactly what happened. And when we say, if no one's seen this, when we say rush the behind, we don't mean you're under pressure and then just kick it backwards. It's literally I'm standing one metre in front of the goal line and I take two steps back with no pressure on me and just casually walk over the line like it's nothing. Isn't it like... It's weird that that was allowed. Yeah, it is very <laughs> Even weird. before they got rid of it, it's like, how the fuck was that? I guess because it was a rule no one took advantage of. You'd occasionally see like one or two a game, maybe. Like I remember watching Matthew Scarlett do it like once or twice. Yeah, but you don't do it as many times a game as this yeah. one. Um, took teams longer to switch, maybe that's why. Like <laughs> you'd, have to, you'd, you'd get called play on, you'd rush it, and by that stage the switch would be on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> um, then, so Hawthorne took a three-point lead into halftime after kicking 3-1 to Geelong scoring 1-9. I'm not saying they kicked 1-9. Um, Probably kicked a few out in the full that day too. Cam Mooney had a yeah, shocking had a day. Terrible day. Um, so the third quarter, 11 straight behinds from Geelong was broken by an ablet goal on the run, which put them in front. But then, you watch that goal? It is a fucking good goal too. It is, but I refuse to praise him. Um, <laughs> but then Franklin Gold to give Hawthorne the lead and then Hawthorne never gave the lead back up. Well, then um, a big man just killed us. The third quarter. A man everyone in footy loves. He is. I I think so. You literally can't not love him. Where did he play before he got to Hawthorne? Was it Sydney or was it like... It was Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide. So the fourth quarter, Hawthorne controlled it. Even though they weren't making the most of their opportunities, they were still just controlling the situation. Geelong never looked like getting back from no. three quarter time. No. Um, so Hawthorne won it by 26 points. But Geelong ended up on 11 23 right? 23. And for people that haven't watched the game or really read about it, they're just like, oh, they kicked badly. We kicked. We didn't kick great. We probably kicked... I, in my head, though, I like to think it's... I feel like it's 10... 11-10 from kicking, and I feel like there is 13 rush behinds. Is that right? It's 11 rush behinds. Jesus. So you actually kicked 11-12, which, which is, is like, okay. Yeah. It's not great, but it's okay. But 11 rush behinds. And then never again were people allowed to do that. No, there was, because there was, there are, to be fair, there was actually two incidents in 2008, because I remember talking about this for something on How Good's Footy Months, and I went back... There was this incident, and earlier in the year where there was the Joel Bowden yes. one, the St Kilda-Richmond game where St Kilda were up, where Richmond were up by a goal and St Kilda missed, and there was a minute to go, and Joel Bowden rushed the ball four times, and then Richmond won. <laughs> four times in one, one play. Just He didn't actually bring the football back in because by the time he'd rushed it over the fourth time, the siren went. I completely forgot about that. So there, was, there, was, there were a couple of... I feel like this was the straw... But there had been a lot of other things in that year involving yeah. rush behinds. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, but my big note for this game specifically was, and I've written it all in caps in red, mm-hmm. just so people understand yep. how my notes are looking. Okay. 
Rushed behind and Stewie Dew. Oh, Stewie Dew. <laughs> so, yeah, look, the man who everyone loves but I hate but love, he killed us as the unfittest man in football. Yeah, so he came from Port. He didn't look like he was going to play more football. No. Nah. He won a premiership with Port. That was that. He yep. was done. He played in no. No, he didn't play no seven with them. He left. I don't think he did. I think he had a year out of the game even. And then came back for a specialist role. He did not look fit. He wasn't fit. He was just the, a barrel that, so that was, was just kicking goals. He because of an injury, they switched him from the back line to the forward line. Yeah, and he kicked three, two or three goals, including the like two back to back from sixty, fifty, and just. We all recovered. love Stewie Dew. That was Shane Crawford's big moment too. Yep, that's what I'm talking about. Won the? Did he win the Norm Smith? He did. He did. No, Luke Hodge did. Oh no! Yeah, Luke, Luke Hodge. Hodge did. But Crawford was a captain, and yes. the whole thing was Crawford. No, Crawford wasn't captain. Richie Vandenberg was captain. Fuck, that's right. Crawford had. This was Crawford's like end of his career. This was his last game. Yeah, yeah. He never played again. The whole thing was Crawford. Held the team up. It was kind of like the Nathan Jones thing in Melbourne now where yep. he held the team up through some of the darkest times, which was like late 90s, early 2000s for Hawthorne. Yep. And and could have gone to other clubs multiple times because yeah. he was good enough. And everyone just knew how much he just wanted to get that flag. And it was just like an open secret that that's all he wanted and then he was done. Yeah. He, he was like – they were talking to him at one point. He said he'd play another year if he thought they were going to win a premiership. Yeah. As soon as they won, he was like, cool, I don't have to play again, I'm done. Yeah. Chance Bateman shaved his dreads off after that one. Yeah. That was his weird thing. Never played that well ever again. I mean, then started punching people. Started. <laughs> um, Campbell Brown was in this side, wasn't he? Yep, Campbell Brown. I Hawthorne have created a lot of very terrible people in media now. Oh, is Campbell in media? Yep. Remember when he got fired from his second club because he punched Stephen May at a nightclub and they're on the in same LA team? In LA or Las Vegas? Yep. Yep. Didn't, he didn't. They, he had to leave. He got like sent home from the family, like the footy club holiday. Family yeah, holiday. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, you got me. So this is kind of where it reignited because after this grand final, Kennett, Hawthorne's Jeff chairman Kennett, or former whatever. Victorian Premier Jeff Kennett. Terrible racist Jeff Kennett. Yep. Um, because they were going to have a rematch the first round of 2009. Yep. So Kennett came out and said publicly, and this is the exact quote, what they don't have, I think, meaning Geelong, is the quality of some of our players. They don't have the psychological drive we have. We've beaten Geelong when it matters. Yep. But little did he know... No. <laughs> ...is that after... That 2008 grand final, Paul Chapman and the senior players got all the players together and they made a pact to never lose to Hawthorne again. Correct. He, I think they, they got in after the game, Bomber had the address to the coach and then kind of went out and the players had their moment together. And I think it was Paul Chapman, Scarlett, and I think, I think Harley yeah, as well, because like he, Harley... he would have been the, ca- he was the captain at the time, got up and basically said, that's it. We're never going to lose to them again. It was It was basically like, remember how this feels? You were never going to feel this again against Hawthorne. We're going to beat them every single time. We're never going to lose to them. They ever. were livid. It was, it was a big... It's fascinating. So Paul Chapman was involved in two sort of line-in-the-sand moments in two years. So in 07, um, we lost a couple of games early. We lost to Hawthorne and then we lost to North Melbourne at home. They smashed us. Yeah. We were winning and then they just ran over the top of us and killed us. The two players that stood up at, in that... And, like, Harley was like, right, we're going to get together, we're going to talk about it, who wants to talk? 
Paul Chapman was like, I'll talk. Mm-hmm. I'll give the players a, a spray and was like, we're never doing that again. They went on to win a premiership. The other player that put his hand up to speak in that meeting was Joel Selwood, who was in his first year. Yeah. First year players played four games because, yeah, all right, let's go. I'll, I'll tell Jimmy Bartell and Cam Mooney <laughs> to fucking lift. <laughs> I love that. He, that's, and like, apparently when that happened, every player in the room was like, yeah, he's going to be captain of this club one day. Yeah. It's good. It's good I don't story. like him on the field, but I really like him off the field. Selwood. It's great on the field, too. No. Champion. No. Um, but this is the thing, and this is, I think, the vi- big juxtaposition between the vibe of the two clubs. Yeah. Being that Geelong privately made this decision and worked their butts off to make oh, sure yeah. they stuck to it. Hawthorne went out publicly and... Did a big show and dance. Well, I don't think Hawthorne did. No, because Clarkson wasn't happy with no. this being said. Clarkson and Jeff Kennett did not get on no. at all. No. It's one of the biggest things come out of this whole era. And now, even worse for them, with no Fagan there as the buffer, yep. Clarkson and Kennett... Well, what I love is that Kennett tried to sack Clarkson so many fucking times, <laughs> and he is still there. <laughs> Jeff Kennett's had time to go away and come back. Clarkson's won three more premierships in that time, and he's consistently... Lauded it as one of the the best coaches in the modern era. Cop that, Jeff. <laughs> Clarko will go when Clarko's fucking ready to go. <laughs> Which will be pretty. Soon, I think I he's think. almost done. Yeah. yeah, he's getting Brett Ratton ready to take over the reins. That'd be good. Yeah, Ratton was hard done by. He was, and I mean, his son died too. He's he had a bit rough trot, but Carlton really rough. Shouldn't have dropped him. No, he was doing. Fine. They just panicked He's and were doing like, "Well, no, nah, we are uh, fuck. Oh, we need to. Uh, we need to. We need to be winning grand final. Quick, get me golf house." Man, oh no! <laughs> all the bad things. Happen. Uh, and here we are, Carlton. Anyway, <laughs> back to my team. <laughs> so, after this pact was made by the Geelong players, yep. and Kennett comes out and says that they're psychologically weak, effectively. Geelong, like, <laughs> we'll fucking show them. Geelong beat Hawthorne in their next 11 matches between that rematch, round one of 2009, yep. and round 15 of 2013. Yep. The largest margin in this time, in these 11 matches, was 31 points, where Geelong won in the 2011 qualifying final, where they went on to win the premiership. And people, what I love is that people talk about, oh, but you never beat them in finals. We did. We won a premiership in a year where we beat them in a qualifying final. We smashed them. Yeah. Well, 31 points. That's smashing in a qualifying final, though. That's five, six goals. That's six goals. It's five goals and one point. Yeah, correct. So you need to kick six goals to get in front. <laughs> um, nine of the matches, though, were ten points or less. So only two of these matches were more than ten points. And I think at least two, maybe three, were decided by a score after the siren. Two were kicks after the siren. So 2009, round 17, Jimmy Bartel kicked a behind after the siren to win um, it. With... Uh, the commentator Kelly, no, yeah, Kelly, Kelly Underwood. Kelly Underwood. 2009 was the first year she commentated. She commentated with the her line, the sweetest point he'll ever kick. Yep, yep, yep. And 2012 in round 19, Tom Hawkins gold after the siren. Tour. With again, so both have amazing commentary moments. You get the Bartel, Bartel. He's kicked a point, the sweetest point he'll ever kick. He approaches. Dennis Cometti, they've done it again. They've done it again. The cat is still on the back. Yes. Oh, I got goosebumps. <laughs> Do you know what's great, though, about that? I love Dennis so much. He actually fucks it up, which is why he says it twice. He actually says, they've did it again. They've done it again. The cat is still on the back. What a fresh up here. 
Anderson. Love Amazing. You, um, six of the matches actually had Hawthorne holding the largest lead during the match. Yep. And then Geelong peg, pegged them back. It was incredible. I remember sort of like watching these games while you had that edge of, no, no, Geelong will just beat them. They were fucking awesome games because yeah. after a while, Hawthorne were like – because then what happened is after I think the first year, after the grand final, it was revealed Paul Chapman, as he was a Norm Smith, was interviewed and he said after the 08 grand final, I said this. Yeah. And Hawthorne kind of went, you fucking serious? Yeah. All right, then let's go. Yeah. Took you 11 tries. <laughs> um, and the minimum attendance for these 11 matches was 63,000 people. Well, this is where – so the Geelong rivalry and Hawthorne rivalry built to the point where we now have a marquee game with them. We play them yep. every – we play them twice every year and we have that big Easter Monday game with them. And it Which becomes – Which always mental. Well, even now where the results now aren't consistently one way or another winning, they're generally – each game's decided by roughly – Two goals usually. Yeah, and it's up for grabs usually late in games. Yeah. The Roughhead won last year. They're they're always like, there's always like a pivotal moment that like, you know, solves the match. Like there's the the one um, Isaac Smith. Yeah. Has that shot in the qualifying final and misses. Yeah. Like. After the siren. Just insanity. To win by two points, Geelong. Even, even. 85 to 83. Fuck. I'm not even looking at notes (laughs) here. That is good. <laughs> yeah, because he has that smile. And I think it was everyone had a go at him, but I think it was definitely just a nervous smile. Yeah, well, because I think he said to his mate, no, no, like, I know, I know. I've got yeah. to kick it. Like, it's okay. Yeah. It's not as good as David Wise winking to heaven being like, well, I reckon I'm a shot from 65. <laughs> oh, there's so uh, much about that. So the anyway. streak, this streak of 11 games over the space of <laughs> four years. Yeah was broken in the 2013 prelim yep. where Hawthorne won by five points. They went on to win the grand final, but Geelong had led by 20 points in this game. This was the year that um, the grand final, I put that in air quotes and you can't see that because this is an audio medium. <laughs> the grand final, in my opinion, and in a lot of commentators' opinion, was actually played a week early in the prelim. Yeah. Because Geelong had... It was, it was, so 2013 was a weird year. So Geelong had played really well, secured a home final, but every other Victorian club was playing at the MCG. And so Geelong were like, let us play at Simmons, at Skilled. And the were like, oh, I don't know, we might get to play at Eddie Head. They're like, no, 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 Eddie Head's on our home ground. We're playing Frio. Let us, we, have, we have seats for 30,000. We'll play down in, in Geelong. First ever final in Geelong, we play against Frio and we lose by a kick where... Um, he got burnt by Stephen Hill coming back onto the ground off the bench. But this was also when... Didn't you play Freer two weeks in a row? No. This isn't the year that Freer rested all their players? It is. It is. They did. They played St Kilda in like Kajitski and all those guys last match and he rested 13 players and then the next year they brought in the room where you couldn't rest players. I thought that was against Geelong. No. No, we, 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 we had a weird rivalry with them too for a few years in that era too. I fucking love Freer. Well, Freer... Yeah, made the grand final. Freo actually knocked Sydney out of finals in this year when yep. Jude Bolton was played his last game. That's sad. They smashed you out of it too, didn't they? They didn't smash us, but all of our players were injured. It yep. was just like a lost cause. Well, that was the weird thing. That was the year where Tom Hawkins almost won the common medal with a bulging disc in his back. Yeah, didn't, that's right. Didn't play in that uh, qualifying final Yeah, um, and was not fit in finals at all. No. And, uh, yeah, there's some – looking at that team in that 13 game – like, 
Josh Caddy came of age in that game. Billy Smets played the <laughs> best game he ever played for Geelong. He two or three goals. Murdoch played a great game. Motlop had a good game. But Hawthorne, you know, won. Hawthorne did to us what we had done to them 11 times in a row. Yeah. And it, it's funny to look at it because Paul Chapman was so instrumental in the pact and he was the one that made it public eventually. Correct. And all of that. And... He did not was, play in that no, prelim. He got suspended for this game, and he never played for Geelong again because he got traded to Essendon. He had he was in and out of the side all year in 2013 um, because you could tell Geelong were looking at um, youth. youth, so guys like Motlop, guys like Caddy, these young players that were sort of coming through being like, there's no room for Chapman. Chris got... A lot of people bag him, but I think he's been really brave when he's had to in oh, his he's career. Oh, brilliant. You know, we'll get rid of... Steve Johnson could have played two more years at Geelong, but no, we need to get rid of him so we can get someone in to build them over the next few years. But if you look at the way he did it compared to how his brother did it, he did it much better. Yeah. Oh, like, so Stokes and Kelly were both... Like, Jono was the only one who was pissed that he had to leave, but that's just because he was Steve And he's admitted that. He's like, I didn't want to leave because I'm me. Yeah. And I wanted to keep playing. Yeah. But, okay... I get, I get why it was made. Like yeah. it, was, it was probably the right decision for the team. The Chapman one, um, there was a bit of issues around it because a lot of supporters. So Chapman was like a cult hero. Yeah. Like supporters loved him. He'd won the Norm Smith. There was then this story about the fact that he'd, you know, had this pact. He had some games where he won them off his own boot. Like people loved Paul Chapman. And so when he was moved on, everyone was like, fucking Paul Chapman. <laughs> He's fucking great. How yeah, do you? Chris, that was, that was when a lot of people were like, you got to sack the coach. And then when we didn't play too well after that, it was like, it's because you got rid of Paul Chapman. Yeah. Because you didn't put Paul Chapman in. And to be fair, he was the difference in the final that we won. We lost that first one. Um, I don't think he played in the Freo one. I think his first one back was the Port Adelaide semi. Yep. Um, where we where he killed Robbie Gray and we, we won. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it is interesting. The, symboli- the, the weird symbolism that he was instrumental in that you took him out and they got it back. Yeah. Bring him out of retirement. Get him back in. It's a pretty good kind of bookend to it, even though the rivalry in the close games and these oh, Monday yeah, ones isn't continued. over. Yeah. But it's definitely a really kind of perfect bookend to that era of Geelong in yeah. terms of winning those 11 in a row. Well, absolutely. And by the time by the time Chapman goes in 13, you've then, within the next couple of years, you lose Stokes, Kelly Johnson, um, Brad Ottens has gone by Bartell, eleven. Even. Bartell a couple of years after that, but then you you know you lose Ling, Joel Corey, and Brad Ottens in eleven. So that's sort of three years after that period. Like you start to lose these bigger names that were all part of that. So it's kind of like, to be fair, that that rivalry is still there. There is still that like, it's fully still there. Yeah, it's absolutely still there. But it's different. Like it's but changed. it swings both ways. Yeah. It's not. It's not like that psychological monkey on the back type thing where it's like we've come, well, someone from our club has come out and said that they're psychologically weak and now we can't beat them. What does that say about us? It's yeah. not that. It, it was, and that's, that's that whole thing, the, the Dennis Kometi line, the cat is still, because that one, we, we should talk about some of these games because they're fucking amazing. But yeah. that one in particular, the Hawkins goal, I, I watched that game recently. <laughs> Hawthorne are up comfortably. In that last quarter. Yep. And we just... Okay, so we, we do... Like, the first half's all ours. The second half is all Hawks. And then with, like, 
under a minute to go, they kick, they have a shot on goal and miss. Yep. Poopolo does Hawthorne that. does a lot. Fresh air, you know, karate kick. Yeah. Um, and then we get the ball to Tom Hawkins in 20 seconds. Like it is, and again, full of controversy. Mitch Duncan gets caught holding the ball and they call play on. Because if you're, at the beginning, it's the umpire grand final last five minutes sort of rule. Yep. You don't want to be the umpire that calls that. No. He has prior opportunity. To be fair, though, under the new rules this year, he would probably be let go because it gets knocked down in the tackle, which is weirdly The new rule is fucking stupid. It's a new Jayden, rule that no how, one knew about. How did, how did Jaden Hunt get away with that one against Gold Coast? It's... <laughs> Like, I'm glad that he did because, you know, Marty Hall had his moment. But yeah. that was holding the ball. Mm. There are so many. <laughs> they've, they've, they've really weirdly gone back on that. But then that passage play is amazing. It's like Duncan out off the back line to Enright to Johnson, who does the thing that basically the reason Hawkins has that shot on goal is because Steve Johnson does the thing that only Steve Johnson could do, which is I'll kick it laterally to the most dangerous fucking spot on the ground. If this kick isn't perfect... Joel Selwood doesn't mark it and Brad Saul eats it for breakfast and it goes straight back the other way and yep. we lose. <laughs> but it's, per- it's, it's, it's a perfect kind of play because it's Steve Johnson being enough of Steve Johnson to know I'm going to try this kick and also knowing that Joel Selwood is the kind of player. If you watch Joel Selwood's career, he will often be in the middle of the ground with three guys running at him and a ball coming in high and nine times out of ten he takes that mark and wears the contact. Yeah. Just what he does. And that's what he, gets, he, get, he takes the mark but he's knocked to the ground and the clock's still running. So he has to quickly just like handball it off and then it goes in and It's oh. very Miracle on Grass-esque, isn't it? It is very... We, we Miracle on grass back. Yeah. Or was that before? Uh, miracle on Grass was before that. That would have been after, I reckon. Was it? No. Was it that year? I think Miracle on Grass was 2011. What year did Time of Black retire? Uh, he retired. He went longer than you think. I think, Sean, you, you must sense that we don't know when Simon Black retired. You can feel this ripple in the time-space continuum. I think, I think it was 13. I want to say 13 or 14. It wasn't 12. 2013. There you go, 13. It was the year, it was the year after. Fuck that game. You're up by 52 points. Yep, and we lost. <laughs> Ash McGrath on his birthday in his 200th game. Yeah, from outside 50 with a cramped calf. <laughs> mm-hmm. After the ball was in our forward line. But the anyway. the passenger play is very similar because yep. in that, Zorko goes to ground, has to handball it out. Yep. Um, no, it's not Zorko that goes to ground, but it, he's the one that gets it. Like yep. All of that, it's very similar. And then Hawkins just... Because it was amazing. So in 11, in the end of 2011 was when Tom Hawkins came of age in that, in that Collingwood game. And then this is his first year as the main – he was the, the go-to guy because Mooney didn't play. He yeah. retired. Well, again, it was the same thing. Mooney and Milburn did not play in the 11 grand final despite being available because Chris Scott said, you're not good enough to be in the team. And then they were moved on. Yep. And Mooney talks about it quite candidly where he was really angry. He's like, I should be still out there. And then apparently about half of 2012, he's like, no, I shouldn't. <laughs> like, the, it was the right decision, but you can't see that at the time. But, yeah, so Hawkins – Oh, kick six, I think, that night. Was on an absolute tear. Yeah. That was his... Oh, fuck. It was, it was around for outside 50. He's had a few of those. He has... Oh, he's, he's, he's... People bagged him a lot, but he's, he's very consistent and he's very good. He's consistently good at hitting the post and getting away with it. 
He's done that once. <laughs> he did that once. And then in 2011, we got it back on us when Sharrod Wellingham hit the post. <laughs> Sharrod Wellingham. Yeah, his name was Sharrod. <laughs> it still is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, that is pr- like the Kennet curse in a nutshell. Yep. But to this day, yeah. I mean... It's still awesome. The Queen's birthday last year, Jared Ruffhead kicks that behind really late in the game. Yep. For Hawthorne to win. Even, I think there's only been a couple of instances where there's been blowouts. So one of them was a was a qualifying final where Geelong got knocked out in straight. So the year that we got massacred by the Swans in 16. In Kieran, when uh, all the Kieran Jucks, Jack stuff was happening. Yeah. So when we, we, we got... We kicked seven goals in the first quarter against you guys twice that year. Yeah. Once during the season and once in that final. In that in that final, we played a qualifying final against Hawthorne. And I think it was close at halftime. They ended up winning by like 40 points. Yeah. Like they blew us away. And then a few years later, oh, not last year, maybe the year before, 2016, we had a game where Menzel kicked five, Hawkins kicked five, and we beat them by 80 points. Yeah. That's, that's the only two blowouts in my mind. Yeah, I can't remember any others. Fuck, there's just so many amazing... Like, Dangerfield's first ever game for Geelong was against the Hawks Where on Easter Monday. he could not kick a goal to save Couldn't his kick a goal life. to save himself, but had like 45 so touches, good. took a huge mark, and was like, I'm here, everybody. But I, just missed everything. It's still the same. Um, <laughs> I remember, though, that was one like a weird moment, watching him play and being like, fuck, he's really good, and then being like, plays for us now. <laughs> just because he did a couple of those things where he just like picked the ball up one-handed and took off, and you're yeah. like, I knew... I'm used to that now, if that makes sense, because you, you know that's what he does. But, you know, we kind of seen a bit of him at Adelaide and we knew he was good, but then you watch that and you go, oh, no, fuck, he's really good. Anyway. He, he's a very good player. He is. I like that he's snapping back at media now. Hey, it's, well, it's what he's always done. It was interesting just speaking of Geelong-Hawthorne rivalries, and sometimes the rivalries aren't... aren't there's a bit, there, there is there's a rivalry there, but there's also a ton of mutual respect. Like, yeah. you hear Roughhead and Selwood talk so highly of one another in that era... Um, Scarlett and those guys talk about the forwards. Like I think Taylor talks a lot about Franklin being a really hard matchup when he's ever whenever he's played on him. Um, Lonigan, Lonigan yeah. actually was one of the reasons why this rivalry often went our way. It's because Buddy could not play on Tom Lonigan. Yeah, it was a big thing. Couldn't do it. Like I think he kicked five goals on him total for his whole life. Yeah, because even with Sydney, yep, couldn't do it. Either. It was still a thing. And that final um, in twenty seventeen. Yep. After Sydney had come back after 0-6, and six, made finals, beat Essen in that first final. Then we came up against you guys, and Lonigan was injured for that game, and he was a late out. Yep. And, and Harry everyone... Taylor was like, I hadn't prepared, because Harry Taylor had been playing forward that year, yeah. and was like, oh, fuck, I've got to play on Buddy. Buddy. It didn't matter, because Tom Stewart intercepted everything before it yeah, got there anyway, true. so it didn't yeah. matter. But... Um, yeah, it's interesting how it continues on, but it's a different rivalry in the in the fact that I think there was more spite between people like Kennett and people like that yeah. than there were between the players. The players just went out and oh, had a really and hard match. B- Bomber Thompson loved theatre. Oh, yeah. Loved the theatre. Also, right? off his head all the time, so it doesn't... <laughs> are you surprised? Yeah. So, but yeah, uh, the point I was going to make about like Dangerfield and the rivalry, Dangerfield was interviewed recently um, about his sort of... Why, why he is the way he is in sort of the way he is funny and does a lot of stuff on the media and like fights back in the media. And he said, he remember being a young player and seeing the way Shane Crawford played football. Yeah. And he's like, I want to be like Shane Crawford because he takes his football very seriously, but he also realizes that the whole thing is absurd and it's a little bit funny. 
and you can't, you can't, you can take the game seriously, but do not take yourself seriously as a player. It's the best way. He's like, and I wanted to be like Crawford, and he said he remembered at the Crows doing something on the footy show one night, and Brent Sanderson being like, "Mate, that was really dumb, but if you want to do it, you can. Just be prepared, though. People will go you." He's like, and they did. So I had to get good at football. <laughs> It's hard, it's hard to make fun of you when you're playing that well, I guess. That's true. And mm. that's what makes people either really hate you or really love you. It's great. I think that's a big thing, isn't yeah. it? I'd take Dangerfield over the other two jerks you have in your team. Um, Who are the other two jerks in my team? Take a guess at one. Well, Ablett, obviously. Yep. It's the other jerk you don't like. Well, you, don't like, you said you don't like Selwood on the field, but you like him off the field? Correct. Why don't you like him on the field? Is it because he ruptured Brent Guerrero's eardrum in one of these games? <laughs> Do you know, if I just drop that on you as we're, you're about to wrap up, and that's just... Partly with the way you just... No one obviously saw that, but you like swirled your finger yeah, like you were sticking a, your finger. No, that's the symbol of an eardrum. That's <laughs> how you do an eardrum. I just do an eardrum in the air. You, you know that story, yeah? No. So Selwood smacked Guerra off the ball and got two weeks for it, and it looked super innocuous. And the reason he got two weeks is... He ruptured Guerrero's eardrum. Did he like trap his the air in it? And just... just side of the hand went to push him, and like he was getting in his like annoying him. So he just smashed him in the side of the head to get him off him. And because he just didn't not intentionally cut yep. hand over his ear, eardrum just went bang. And Guerrero was like, "Fuck that hurt!" But kept playing. But kept having to go to the bench because he was bleeding from his ear and, and like, couldn't hear. Running around to the left all the time. I mean, time he, he was doing that belt. anyway. Guerrero, just <laughs> a weird looking bloke. He's like a forgotten player. He was very good for them in that time, though. He was, especially when he got his hair back. Uh, I'm going to bring that back to you in maybe 20 years. When what? When you've lost all your hair. Nah. Have you seen my grandfather? He's full head of hair. On my mum's side. My dad's bald, but you don't get your hair from your dad. I mean, I have lots of hair, so I don't have that problem. I have thick hair. Look at my hair. It's good. Anyway. I'm going to keep this in the recording. Sure, do it. (laughs) Go for it. Um... Should we wrap it up? Why not? I think I've kept you for long enough tonight. Sure, I have no idea what the time is. I don't. I can't read twenty four hour time, so I don't know. Oh, Tom. Yep, that's you're like my name. a useless baby. Sure am. But I like talking about football. Yeah, same. we should have you back again. Yeah, you'll we'll have to choose another one. Yep, and we'll do that. Um, maybe we should get you and your dad in together and do one with the two of you. Well, see, so then we talk about the Tom Hawkins one because we hugged. <laughs> I've heard many times about this hug. Oh, we just, it was, do you know what? We weren't even at the game. It's <laughs> even better. We were just at home. It was really exciting. And you're standing up watching it because you're nervous and you kick the goal. And we just were standing this far, like inches, again, audio medium, very close to the TV. We just turned another big hug. Oh, it was great. It's a good moment. Like, my dad does love me. Like, it's not just football based. I make him sound like he's his distant father who only shows affection when our team. No, wins. he shows me affection on Twitter. He supports me on Twitter. I've got to get him off Twitter, though. I like him. That makes him angry. Really? <laughs> yeah. Mum, he, mum has to ban him on, from social media sometimes. He loves the things I post. It makes me feel good. Yeah. Gets around it. Terrence? That's my dad. Yeah. yeah. Never met him. Never actually spoken to him. Nah. He just gets around my tweets. Oh, yeah. Sounds like a champ. He's all right. Um, Don't give him a big head, because he'll listen to this. Yes, Terrence. Hi. <laughs> uh, Thank you very much for coming. Thank you for talking about the Hawthorne-Geelong rivalry across two different eras. Yeah. And uh, good luck for the weekend. Yes. You think it's a danger game? I absolutely do. Up there to the Gold Coast, Danger and Ablett won't play. What? What? They, they will rest Dangerfield. The way Chris Scott's talking, 
Because normally if Dangerfield's playing, Chris Scott straight away is like, oh, he's playing. He did the, I mean, he's possibly potentially going to fly with this. I'm like, all oh, right. No, no, he, he said that he's pretty much not going to play. No. Why would you risk him? Correct. Against, against the Suns. We're a game clear. Um, Sam Collins out for an extended period of time, which is unfortunate for Gold Coast. Hawkins is licking his lips. He's going, I'll kick 11. Yeah, probably. Abel won't go because he won't get on a plane. No, because he doesn't like travelling. No, he doesn't. And they've also said they've, they're going to arrest him, but they were, they, apparently they were going to arrest him at the Adelaide game, but he's been playing too well. No, it's because he's been throwing elbows into people's heads and it would have been a bad look to arrest him after it, appealing. To be fair, after that game, he kicked four goals. Don't care. Don't throw elbows in people's no, no, heads. Don't arrest him. He's kicked four goals. Don't throw elbows in people's heads. No, do it, Gary. I love you. Do it and get properly suspended for the rest of the season. All right, Luke Parker. It was in play. <laughs> and he didn't raise his elbow. It was a bump. <sighs> We're going to wrap this up because otherwise I will punch Tom and I don't condone violence, so I don't want to do that. You just wouldn't raise your elbow at me, Gemma. That'd no, be... I just use my closed fist. You go the, the, um, the full Lee Matthews. Full Barry Hall. And then pretend you didn't do it. And pretend I didn't do it. <laughs> yep. And then push another bloke over in the process of pretending yeah, I didn't yeah. do it. What do you mean? <laughs> he just fell over. We should be really concerned. Uh, that guy is Tom Reed. He is on How Good's Footy every Wednesday on Play On Radio at 4pm. Check it out. It is very funny. I do have a laugh every week. And I always send notes to them afterwards because I'm really annoying. I'm Gemma Bassiani. This is I See It But I Don't Believe It. Uh, check out all the other shows on Play On Radio. I See It But I Don't Believe It is a podcast as well, so you can stream it after the fact if you want to go back and show it to your dad like Tom's going to do. Uh, I think there's a new one live. Even better. That's even better. I See It But I Don't Believe It is on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8am and then it's replayed that afternoon. So check it out. Otherwise, thank you, Tom. Thank you. This is I See It But I Don't Believe It and we'll see you on Play On Radio. 